we've been going through uh, testing I'm on there testing one two there we go we've been going through a series in Philippians I guess started um, the first part of winter quarter and and um, this is the there's only four chapters but if I'm not mistaken this is the number uh, six message out of this this passage and and um, I think uh, we're going to close it tonight, and I'm probably some of you are thinking, like, thank goodness, and we can move on. And, um, but I'm, I'm that way because, like, I'm so flighty sometimes. I just, like, if I stay somewhere too long, I'm, I start getting a little antsy, and, and um, you got to look to something different. But, uh, but I think uh, there's a good word for us tonight with all that's happening um, in our world. And, and uh, do you ever just think about that sometimes, like, like, think about how crazy things have gotten lately. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but, like, I mean, as I guess as a husband, as a dad, and everything else, I think about, like, <laughs> man, things have gotten bonkers. Um, this is crazy um, lately. And with all the pandemic that we've been having to deal with, and, and uh, you know, me, I'm, a, I'm not a planner or or a, a strategist at home as much as I am in the ministry. I love to plan and strategize and, and put steps in place and everything else. But, man, with COVID, it's just been, it's made it very difficult to do so. We've been able to do some things, what we call normal or whatever, whatever the new normal. And, uh, but, yeah, it's still, it kind of makes it difficult to, to plan and everything. And our political climate is, is ever polarizing our country and dividing us in a way that I've never seen before. We got riots in the streets. We got cities that are, you know, that has been on fire this past year. Our capital was um, breached and stormed um, in by a group of a mob and, um, this past, Sunday, uh, past Wednesday and and, um, you know, there's murders just out in the open, and, and then there's conspiracy theories that you, everybody's got going on right now, and the political and corporate cor- um, corruption, and, there's, and now there's censorship. And so if you got a Twitter account, and you want to say something just as simple as that you think Donald Trump has good hair, um, you're probably going to get fact-checked and know that he doesn't have really good hair. And, um, and, and also, and you probably may get your, you know, um, your Twitter account taken away from you because you think Donald Trump has good hair. And um, so you got to use code words like, like Tronald Dump or something like that. And, and um, so you can't, you won't get censored. And, and, uh, but it's crazy what's going on. You know, and on a global scale, we got, you know, one of the things that, that really breaks my heart is the sex trafficking. You know, you think about that and how just how wicked that is and how people are exploiting um, kids in that way. And, and it's horrible. You know, you got drug smugglers and, and, you know, then you got the political correctness that we have now. And, and I know this has been like a kind of a fun one to make memes out of. Um, but when the guy prayed and he said amen and a woman, you know, I mean, that's been, that's been a fun one for me to make the the memes out out of you know and the, and the the thing about that is like logic or reason or any kind of common sense you're gonna have to go to a museum to, to see that y'all know that right like you're gonna have to take your kid to a museum and it's like it's gonna be like on a shelf like common sense like what's that mama you know i mean is what we i've never seen that before like well that's what we used to use in discussions at the dinner table at night you know like you know grandma used to use logic and, and, like, what happened? Well, social media, you know, I mean, basically. 
And, um, and so, I mean, it's, things are just nuts. And, you know, I think it's because the world has spun faster in 2020. Y'all, 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 did y'all know that? I read an article the other day that the world has spun was spinning on its axis faster in 2020 than it, than it ever has. Maybe that's why we're walking around, you know, like a bunch of lunatics or something like that, because we're all dizzy and delusional, right? And then here's the thing. It's gonna, they say it's predicted to spin faster in 2021. And uh, so we're screwed. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, 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 we're done for. But here's the thing is that all this junk that's happening in our, in our times today is caused a level of anxiety you know, there's a level of anxiety that's running rampant in our culture, and, 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 and we live in a, uh, a culture also who thrives off causing anxiety. And, you know, my mom uh, was, I was talking to my mom, bless her heart. You know, when you say bless her heart, it, it means like she's got a little bit of crazy in her, but she had to be crazy because she raised me and my two brothers and she survived. And so I got to give her a little bit of credit in that, in that sense. You know, but she was she just recovered from COVID, and um and she said, Justin, I lost seven pounds because I couldn't eat anything. I had nothing tastes good. I didn't have any taste. And I was that's great, mom. She goes, No, it's not that good. And I said, well, Why not? And um, she said, Well, I got my taste back, and um and like and I'm so anxious for all the stuff that's happening in in our country today. I'm eating the boards off the walls, and um and I said. I said, well, Mom, don't eat the nails. I said, because it's going to be a hard time passing the splinters anyway, you know. So, and, um, but, I mean, it's, it's just cause, it causes anxiousness in our lives. And I've been having one-on-one meetings with students lately, and, and the number one thing that we've talked about that they're nervous about is like, hey, being able to graduate and not find a job, you know, in their profession because people are not hiring right now. I mean, you know what? I get that. I can, I can understand how that can cause a level of anxiety and a little a little bit of a nervousness um, in, in in that space but here's the deal anxiety and you know it can it cause depression it can hinder you know our health and 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 you know I mean I love that song we sing that I speak Jesus every time I hear that song I just you know I, I'm a little I got some Pentecostal in my blood I know I don't show it much but, it, man, it makes me excited. And one day, I, 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 I don't know, it may or may not come out. I may scare you with it. Um, but I get excited. But it says, I speak the name of Jesus over our fears and anxiety. And, and so I just want to challenge you guys tonight. How can we poise ourselves with great joy, with great peace, with assurance and confidence in a time of great uncertainty and uneasiness? And Paul closes his letters his letter here in Philippians with a, with a passage that he has given the, the, the church of Philippi, but it applies to us as well, with a word of encouragement that has stood the test of time. And listen to this. Paul in chains, the church being persecuted, Judaizers were tearing, terrorizing believers. And amongst all that's going on, Paul says this. Look in, in Philippians 4, starting in verse 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Now I know that sounds a little churchy. I mean, I know we get 
we kind of have our lingo that we like to use. And I grew up in church. You know, I always tell people I had a drug problem growing up. My parents drug me to church every time the church doors were open. And I knew the Sunday school answers, guys. I knew them. I mean, every time it was Jesus, right? You know, when they ask you something, it was Jesus. But this is more than lingo because this was written out of, out of um, persecution. It was written out of a calamity. And so he says, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. He says, let your reasonableness or, uh, or your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worth pr to praise, think about these things. What have you learned and received and heard and seen in me? Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And he closes it like this, and he says, Rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now in length you had reviewed, or excuse me, revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned whatever situation I am to be content. That's one word I want us to look at tonight. Contentment. I know how to be, or I know how to be brought low, and I know how to be, uh, I know that to be abound. And he says, in any circumstances, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and needs, uh, and need, and I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. And so tonight, I want us to talk about the remedy of anxiousness, and the first one is prayer. The remedy is prayer. He says in uh, verse 6 in that passage, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. You know, your communication with God is your, it indicates your faith, right? Because how you respond and, and what your, how do you behave is an is a indication of what you believe. You know, when I was a kid, my cousin, he was older than me, and he terrorized me. He would tickle me when I was a little kid. I was like maybe like four years old, and he would tickle me, tickle me until I peed my pants, and he loved doing that. I hated that. And, um, and sometimes I'd just go just so he'd leave me alone. I'm just joking. Um, but he would terrorize me. He told me there was a monster under my bed. And he was like, and so when I would cut my light off at night to get in bed, they, I would take a three steps and I would jump and, uh, and bail off because whatever was under that bed, I didn't want him to give me. You know what? My reaction to jumping into the bed, I believe that there was a monster up under there. In the same way, we are going to respond on how we believe. And your prayer and how you, um, you pray and your communication with God is an indication of how to, your faith in God, on how you believe. And, and here's the thing. Our prayer, it puts everything back into perspective. Because like when I was praying this morning, I was like, God, I'm anxious about this. But I know what? That you're in control my faith is that God is, is sovereign and he's in control of everything. And so it kind of realigns me the back to the truth. And what anxiety does, it separates you from the truth. Y'all know that? It's basically it's 
polarizing you between what is actual truth and what you're starting to believe. And so our prayer realigns everything. He says, you know, remember in chapter 3 we talked about last week, you know, he talked about that we're aliens here on this earth. That, that we're, we're not meant to be here forever, right? And so that gives us an eternal perspective. And I use that word all the time, but, but I think it's very valuable to understand that. And that what prayer does, it brings us back into the alignment of that eternal perspective. See, when we come to terms, we believe everything out is out of our control. Our prayer puts things back into perspective. We are entrusting him with the things we cannot control. There's a lot of things we cannot control. Now, granted, there's, we need to emphasize on the things we can. I don't want to negate that or neglect that or not, you know, not, not emphasize on that. But at the same time, there's just some things that there's nothing we can do about. And so we're trusting him with those things. But here's the thing. We have to posture ourselves with the right in the right way. And the first thing is posture ourselves with humility. Supplication means the, the begging or or to, to, to you know to humbly ask for something. When you're you know desiring something something so much, you're gonna you know you're not gonna go to somebody with arrogance or or out of anger or malice or something like that, if you really want something, you're going to butter up, right? You know, when you ask your parents for money, I remember when I was a kid, um, I was like, my dad was in his lazy chair, and I didn't think he was asleep. He was kind of in and out. He'd kind of like doze in and out watching um, TV and everything. And so I would go to his ear, and I was like, hey, Dad, can I have $5? And, um, and he didn't say anything. And so... And I like, well, I went around to his other ear, and I was like, hey, Dad, can I have $10? And he looked at me, and he said, go back to the $5 ear. So he was paying attention. But, like, I didn't go out of, out of saying, hey, in an entitlement attitude, thinking that he owed that to me. So that we got to posture ourselves in a way um, when we go to prayer. And, this, and, and the next thing is this. We position ourselves with thanksgiving. What does he say? He says, be anxious for, uh, about anything, but in everything by prayer and with supplication, with thanksgiving. Guys, when, you're, when you have the attitude of thanksgiving or, or being gratefulness, it's totally contrary to an entitlement mentality. Let me give you an example of this. First of all, let me tell you this. Nothing is, by God is owed to you. He doesn't owe nothing Everything we receive by God is by grace and grace alone. Whether it's our salvation, whether it's our provision, whether it's anything that God has gifted us with is by grace and grace alone. He don't owe us nothing. But there was a time in my life where um, I felt like the Lord was calling me to do something. I, matter of fact, I left my college position here at First Ruston to help with a church plan in Montana. And, I mean, it was a beautiful place, and, and you know, and I, I was going on information that I had, so I wasn't making this decision flippantly, but I prayed about it for about a year before I made this decision, and I really felt led to go. 
And so I went up there, moved my family, sold my house here, moved my family up to Montana to start over and build relationships and, and help um, another couple with a church plant. Well, when I tell you that everything just went to the pot during that time, it was awful. Like everything I expected to happen, none of it happened. Everything that I, that, 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 I, that I thought should have went well didn't go well and everything else. Well, let me tell you, I got irritated because I felt like God let me down in that situation because I felt led to go and nothing was happening the way I thought it should. Ended up the church plant didn't go the way I thought. The people who I was supposed to go serve with didn't end up being who they, they, you know, they told me they were and all this kind of stuff. Well, I, I'll be honest with you, I got mad. And I was like, God, you, I need an explanation about this. I pulled my kids out of school, out of Ruston. I sold my house, gave up my position that I was making. You know, I was making a living, but I went up there and, you know, I was getting paid peanuts to do at work church plant. I did all these things because I thought you felt, you know, don't you owe me an explanation? And guys, it, I went through a series of anxiety and depression during that time. We, it wasn't, it was, that, that, went, that went on for about a month where I was just mad as a hornet, riding around. Like I would literally, go, you know, be driving my truck praying and just beating my dashboard. I was like, God, I feel like you left me and forsake me. I know it sounds dramatic, now it does. I look back and think it's kind of foolish, but at the moment, I was hurt. But I read a passage, or I read a, a devotion one morning, and it was with A.W. Tozer, and he said, it's doubtful that God could ever use a man until he has deeply hurt him. And God, that spoke to me at that moment in time. And I just remember praying to God and just asking for forgiveness for you know, for allowing my prayers and my angers to be towards him the way they were. And I start seeing God answering my prayers and bringing stuff to light that he never would have beforehand. You know why I think that is? Because I came to him out of humility and thankfulness and gratefulness. And like I just remember I couldn't, I couldn't sit through a church service and sing songs just without, without weeping. God was breaking me at that moment in time. So we got to position ourselves in a way that he can speak to us. Even though nothing is owed to, owed to us, God still desires to come to him with great expectations. That's, a, that's what prayer is, communication with him. Why? Because it exemplifies our faith. 1 Peter 5-7, he says, cast your cares. Why? Because he, lo he loves you. And Peter was a fisherman, right? He knew something about casting, you know, so he would cast an empty net, but yet when he brought the net back in, it was full of fish, and I remember there's several cases in the scripture where it talks about Jesus was like telling Peter, hey, cast your net on this side of the boat, and yet he cast the empty net that he brought back from an all night of fishing, and he brought in all this fish and everything else, and the way God works with us, he says, hey, cast your cares upon me. I want to return it back to you with peace and joy and, and, and confidence and, and all the things that you need to spiritually succeed. And so, uh, so the first thing, the remedy is prayer. It's going to mean with prayer for anxiety. The second thing is, is our response. In verse 8, he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, 
whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worth of praise, think about these things. What, 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 what does God want to do um, you know, in this world that's where everything seems to be going nuts? He wants us to, to respond our, our, um, our hit, the right response is dwelling on the attributes of God. Did I say that right? I kind of got tongue-tied. Dwell on the attributes of God. Dwell on God's original intent and God's restoration. What do I mean by that? Basically, in the Garden of Eden, when, when, when God created everything, what did he say? He said he created it and it was what? Good, right? And he created all these, he went through his series of creation, and, but everything he said he created was good. Everything was good. It, it, was, it was true. It was honorable. It was just. And so why? We're going to have to go back to God's original intent. That's, guys, that's how we can look on people who are depraved and say, you know what? That's God's creation. God can transform that person into the, his original intent because God crea- did not create man to be wicked. God created to be in communion with him. And so, guys, in a world that's chaotic, sometimes we have to go back to the things that God originally intended us to dwell upon and his attributes. Does that make sense? And he says he, also to, to dwell on God's restoration. When everything's messed up, what's, what is God's uh, greatest plan for, for the planet Earth one day when he comes back and he restores everything, right? And everything's going to be perfect. Scripture says that, that, the, that the lion is going to lay with the lamb and that the kid is going to be able to play by the snake den and, and will not get bit. That's perfection. That's his original intent. Guys, we have to dwell on those things. You know why? Because if you dwell on the things that are happening right now, you're going to be driven to anxiety. Even in the worst of times, you have to take in, in consideration of what God is working and what God is doing in your life individually, but also globally. And so, first you have to, uh, the first, you have to dwell on something to dwell on. You have to be filling your mind with things that you can dwell upon. Let me ask you this, what, what are you intaking into your minds? Because you gotta give your something you gotta give yourself something to dwell upon. You know, what's your intake? If there ever is one thing that the modern day church is careless with, that this is my opinion, is media, entertainment, social consumption. I, I'm just as guilty as of the next person. Because does it benefit? That's my question. I have to ask myself when I get consumed by something. And I'm not saying things are all inherently bad. You know, I mean, I watch TV. I was talking to Ethan earlier. He was talking about some series of shows. I like. I'm, I'm weird. I like British shows. I like watching BBC shows. And he said, oh, Downton Abbey. I was like, well, there's more than out there than just Downton Abbey, you know. I mean, I like those things. But that's not, I can't. Just continue to, to consume those things all the time and not dwell on things that are God's original intent. You have to give yourself something to work with. I love ice cream. I love Bluebell just about as much as I love my mama. 
But you know what? Too much of it, it's not a good thing. I have to balance it with a lot of other stuff, like corn dogs. And no, I'm just joking. I ate corn dogs before I came in here, so. Let me ask you this. Who are you surrounding yourself with? I heard it said one time that they can tell you about what kind of person you're going to be by observing the, the five people you hang around. And guys, hear me say this. I'm not saying that we don't just give up befriending people for the, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't want you to become spiritually mean, like, I can't hang out with you, you know. that. I'm just saying, who are you, who's in your inner circle? Who have you placed in, in that space that was encouragement, that would encourage you, or, you know, or walk alongside of you in life and, and, um, and help you along the way? So you have to give yourself worth, work, uh, something to work with. The last thing is this, is the result. The result of prayer and the result of dwelling on things that God, um, God's attributes and, and, and is this. He, he says in verse 10, he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly, and now at length you have revived your concern for me. And you were indeed concerned for me, but you have no opportunity, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in every situation to be content. I know how to be brought low, I know how to be brought to abound, and in every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and in need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So what Paul is saying here is like, hey, there was a time where the Philippian church provided for him financially for him to be able to survive and to carry out the ministry. And so, and even there was a time where they didn't know about it and they weren't able to give. So he's, he's using this illustration basically to give a description and say, hey, look, there have been times I've had plenty and there have been times where I've had nothing. I mean, you, you, you study Paul's life, you will see a, a ebb of flow and the ups and downs and, and all arounds of Paul's life. It, it was, his, his life was tough. And there was times he had plenty and there was times he had nothing. But yet, he said, in, every, in all situations, in all circumstances, I've learned this one thing is to be content. Guys, contentment is the, the flip side or the, 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 the opposite of anxiety. And so, uh, you don't have to be a victim of your circumstances when you're content. You know, we all come from different walks of life. We all have things happen to us that are not, are necessarily, may not be necessarily fair. You know, I remember I was talking to a kid in the foster care system one time, and, and he was mad. At, I mean, I had to take him out because he was just mad at something. I don't know what happened. But, but I remember him just telling me, you don't know what it's like to not have parents that love you. You don't know what it's like to, you know, be tossed to and fro to all these foster care parents and everything like that. And I said, you know what? I don't know what that's like. I was fortunate enough to have two parents who loved me and, and, and stay together and, and, and raise me. And I said, you've been dealt a bad deck of cards, and I understand that. I, I hate that for you. But at the same time, that don't have to become your identity. You don't have to drive you to the point where that identifies you. So you don't have to be a, when you're content, you don't have to be a victim of your circumstances. You don't have to, 
Um, you can thrive no matter what situation you find yourself in. But here's the thing what contentment is not. Contentment is not complacency. It's being content with what you have, not with what you, not with what you are. Basically, what I, what I mean by that is like, hey, there are going to be times where you may have and you may have not, but you don't have to be content with who you are. But why? Because God set us on a trajectory of spiritual growth to draw, draw, excuse me, to draw closer to him. And we went and we talked about in Philippians 1, 8, or 1, 6, he said that he who began a good work in us will complete it in that process of sanctification. Being content is not ignorance. It's not just burying your head in the sand and then forgetting everything that was going on around you. You know, I, I play the dumb card a lot of times, you know, just because I don't want to know what's going on. Like, and whatever happens going on, a family situation, whatever, like, sometimes it's like, I just don't want to know. But being content is not being ignorant. And it's not being removed from the struggle. Paul's contentment was not found in his freedom. Paul was content being confined and changed because of him preaching the gospel. But yet, it is rather endurance. It keeps us going. Contentment allows us the freedom to persevere in our faith. That verse 13 I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It is the most overused but underrated verse of all times. I mean, you always seen it like, you know, on, you know, somebody grabs a basketball, and, you know, and they got that past Philippians 3.13, or I guess football, they got it written underneath there. I, I mean, I'm not saying that's inherently bad or whatever, but at the same time, that's what that, that verse was never written for that. You know, I mean, whether you're... <coughs> You know, drag racing or, or, you know, I mean, rolling yards at night or something like that. Or, you know, I could do all things through Christ. He strengthens me, you know. Or if you're like Garrett Trossel, you know, you go get on the edge of the mountain. Like, I can do all things through Christ, you know, strengthens me. And he'll bail off of it. Y'all know he went 74 miles per hour last year um, skiing. He had an app that was telling him how fast he went. And, um, but, like, if you're Garrett, if you ski with Garrett Trossel, you you better you better hope you you better hope you got Jesus because you're gonna need him. <laughs> and so, but that that verse was never written for that intent, and not at all. Basically, what it means is that if you have Jesus, you have all you need. It is the contentment concept. It's not a verse you quote before a specific action. But rather, you can say that Jesus is enough. Whether you don't make that grade in, in, in that class, you know what? Jesus is still enough. Whether you don't land that job that you're applying for that you think will be a right fit for you, if you don't land it, Jesus is still enough. If that, that, that chick or that dude breaks up with you that you think that you was going to last forever, and you're heartbroken, you can still say that Jesus is still enough. That's what that verse means, is that I can endure anything through Christ because he strengthens me.
it's just not a recipe for instant success, but yet it's rooted in your identity. If your identity is in Christ, then that gives us the means by which we can persevere. So being fully aware of who you are and who you belong to provides a sense of contentment. And guys, that is the antidote of anxiety. And guys, I believe if we exemplify that in our culture, in our society today, we're going to be shining in the light of Jesus. Because it's going to look different living that way. I want to close with this story as Will and Lauren and Hope and the gang comes back up. I got the privilege to lead worship a couple times in Angola Prison Road, in, uh, Angola Prison in the Louisiana State Penitentiary. And guys, that, that is a humbling and eerie feeling when you're walking through one gate to be waiting on another gate to open, and you hear the one behind you, boom, it shouldn't lay them shut. I was, like, that was the most, I was in college, and it, it was like, I was like, man, that's kind of creepy. But I was in a, I don't remember which camp it was. I think it was, there, um, there were several camps in Angola, but, but I led worship in, in their evening service one Sunday evening. Guys, I want to tell you, that's the best worship service I've ever attended. I know that sounds weird. But the, the best worship experience that I've ever experienced was in Louisiana State Penitentiary. And after the service, I was talking with a, with a guy who was there. He'll be there. He was there for life. You know, and he was just sharing his story with me and sharing how he came to know Christ inside the penitentiary. And he said, you know what, Justin? I, and, I, and I told him, my, I said, man, I said, I've never experienced a worship service where I just felt so much freedom and felt the Holy Spirit just moving and working. And, and he said, you know, I, y'all have so much liberty to say y'all are behind all these bars. And he told me, he said, Justin, I never experienced true joy, true peace, True um, contentment, confidence, until I came to penitentiary and I found out that Jesus was enough. Because he said, I tried everything that the world has to offer, the good, bad, and the ugly. He said, the bad and ugly got me here. He said, but at the same time, I found, experienced so much freedom in Christ. You know why I believe he did that? Because he found out that Jesus was enough for him. And so my question is to you, because I know life is tough. I got a little bit. I'm not much older than y'all, but I got a little bit. Um, I get so irritated because EP calls me dad sometimes. I'm not that old. But I do have a little bit more life under you guys, and I've had experience in that, and I know it's tough. But don't let it define you. Be content with your identity in Christ. If you never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I'll ask you to do so. You can do that right here, right now, and where you're sitting, whether it's through worship. It don't matter where you are. You can be in your car, and you can accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Let me pray, 
And then I'm going to ask you guys to come lead us in the closing song. Dear Lord, I just uh, I thank you for Paul's faithfulness and willing to say that that whether what happens, God, that we can confidently know that you're in control, God, we can confidently say that you're sovereign, God, we can with confidence know that you are enough for us, and God, it don't matter what happens in life, whether life lets us down, God, that we can look to you, the author and perfecter of our faith, and know that you're still working, that you're still moving, that you still care. And God, forgive us for all the times that we've allowed anxiety to, 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 to hinder our influence. God, forgive us for the times that we allowed anxiety to hinder our disbelief or hinder our belief. But God, let us move closer to you. And God, and find the joy and the peace and the contentment that we need through our relationship with you. Praise the name of Christ's name. Amen.